Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together and we do this twice a week and uh, discuss what we are chewing on in God's Word. This week is kind of special. We've got Brett Gilchrist, the big cheese in the office. Hello, Brett. Hey, Chris. Good to be here. Excellent. Love to have you. Uh, you thought it'd be a good idea. You thought, man, what, what do I have that everyone needs that only I can offer the people? Mm-hmm. And that was your history, the oh, church. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, all the stuff that, you know, a lot of us, certainly the staff, um, some of us have been here for a long time. Others have only been here for a matter of a year or two. So sure. um, you thought it'd be a good idea to kind of give people a lay of the land and the foundations that built, I mean, you know, the the literal foundations that kind of establish where we are now today as UFC and and where we're going in the future. Yeah, and I think that's even more true today. I, I uh, Sunday, I looked out of the audience, and there's a lot of new faces there that I don't know. And so I think, I tend to think, well, everybody's been here since the beginning, and that's surely not true. And now I'd say at least half or more of the church probably was not around at the founding and doesn't understand its history. So it might be helpful to catch people up on those kinds of things. Yeah, and that was... Uh, for me, it was kind of an unforeseen symptom of COVID mm-hmm. to see kind of, I mean, I don't know where they all came from, but. Yeah, I think a couple of things happened. I think people that were looking for a time, a convenient time to switch churches, COVID was that perfect time because no one was going to church physically and they could check out other churches online. And then I think the other thing that played to our benefit, which is the strangest thing for me, is that we're the one church in town that's sizable and doesn't have a building. And we tried really hard to continue to meet. You know, we met in, we've, this is our seventh location now. And I think people that wanted to gather as a body of Christ felt the importance of that honored our efforts. And uh, I think many joined us because they could and, and their churches were not physically meeting at the time. So that's, that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're hearing the gospel preached and and uh, good good on them. So, so let's start from the beginning. You were born in <laughs> the 1600s. Yeah. Well, Chris, as as your last day at work, I, I wanted I wanted to wish you well on your new endeavors. If any of you guys have any job opportunities, let me know. <laughs> um. So this will be a perfect segment for those with insomnia. You know, I, I'll, I'll talk in this slow metered voice about my childhood and it'll be super exciting for everyone. So, so what, um, what prompted you to get involved in ministry? Well, I was raised in a, in a real solid Christian home. So my mom and dad weren't just cultural Christians. They were um, biblical, genuine uh, trying their best to live for Christ and raise four kids that would follow Jesus. So they weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they did a good job. So I I came to faith early on, uh, never really had a period of my life where I rebelled against God. I always wanted to be a pleaser. Um, probably come to, came to understand grace more fully um, about my freshman year of college when I was out on my own re- rethinking you know, belief systems. Uh, I, I read a, a little paperback on the book of Galatians, a, a commentary by a guy named Warren Wearsby, and that really helped helped me understand grace in its more full and completeness. So um, I, I was also raised with a sense of eternity. My parents, um, they were not 
they weren't your typical, well, I don't know how to put this. They weren't materialists. They were also, I, I would say their strength was also their weakness. Um, we sort of grew up with a little bit of anti-snobbery, reverse snobbery in our home, you know. But anyway, was raised with a sense of eternity is what matters. So that played into my thinking. I went off to college. I uh, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I uh, eventually got a business degree. But in college, I got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew, and had some some guys invest in me. And then I began to invest, and others learned how to share my faith. Uh, a little rough around the edges, but nonetheless, I, I was given the boldness to talk to people about the gospel, which was fun. Um, so when I graduated in 1980, there were a, an abundance of good jobs available. It was a, I think the economy was beginning to turn around and so I could have gone into business, but I thought, well, I will I'll look into crew, um, do some work with crew, get better trained, learn how to make disciples better, that kind of thing. And then someday I'll go back into business and I'll be a rich, wealthy Christian businessman <laughs> that makes disciples. Well, my my plan was foiled. So <laughs> you're you're not a rich, wealthy businessman? <laughs> no, I don't make disciples very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you started looking into crew, and you'd been doing that through college. Um, what did it was it a volunteer status while you were in college? Yeah, in college you're just a student involved, and um, the format of crew is you um, are in a small group that's teaching you the word of God and investing specific campus crusade values into you. And crew in those days was very much about evangelism, so we sort of viewed ourselves as the evangelistic arm of the local church. And so on campus, you know, during our breaks, we would meet with some friends and we'd go out on the park blocks down in downtown Portland and strike up conversations with total strangers and try to transition into the gospel. And that was way more, well, it was weird then, but <laughs> I, I think it was probably more socially acceptable during that era. Um, now, crew in a different setting, like at the U of O, or where I was first stationed, which was Washington State University, I would go speak in fraternities and sororities. And uh, so I'd meet with the president. I'd convince them that their people needed to have some spiritual input in their life. I'd go in and give a real clear four-point gospel talk. I'd take a student with me that would share his or her testimony of how they came to faith in Jesus. I'd pass out three-by-five cards, ask them to put their name and number on it if they wanted to talk more and follow up about it. Uh, you'd get some back with, you know, telling you where to go and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you'd get some contact, but it was really different. This was pre-cell phone days, pre-computer. So you had to call the house phone and hope that somebody would actually run upstairs and grab Joe and bring him down and he'd receive, you know, and you'd meet him for coffee. So, but that's how, that was the most effective manner of evangelism was sort of pre-filtered. They'd already heard the gospel. They had some interest. So then if they come to faith or if you surface Christians in that context, um, you'd put them in a small group. We called them a discipleship group and then an action group, uh, which was a, <laughs> a deeper commitment, which in the action group, you learned to share your faith. And so you repeated the cycle and you did that hopefully over and over. Wow. So it seems like when you describe it that way, evangelism isn't all that complicated. I mean, it's kind of a tried and true system. It, it uh yeah, I would I would agree. And I think what's happened is culturally we've said, well, that's 
you know, no one really wants to go door to door anymore, myself included. I don't sure. know that it's terribly effective. But the good part about what the way I was trained is it broke down barriers of fear. And you could learn to walk up to a total stranger and engage them. And, you know, I think Jesus's parable of the soils is a good example of you get a lot of rejection, you know, um, and very little fruit. But uh, I still track with guys today that, you know, either came to faith in that context or were Christians trained in that context, still walking with the Lord and sharing their faith. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. great. So... So after crew, what did things look like from then on? So we did um, <clears throat> with crew. You you go through a very rigorous application system, actually, and um, then they run you through um, a summer Bible school. And then, if you're accepted on their staff, you have to develop your own funding. And so you spend the next numbers of weeks and months developing funding. Now, when I came on for a single guy, I only had to raise a thousand bucks a month. So it was a big money maker. Um, <laughs> you were getting rich. Yep. <clears throat> and so I got that accomplished in about four weeks and then reported to Washington State and um, was assigned to a team up there and had a guy named Dana Black that was my uh, trainer. And, um, you know, we would do evangelism together and knock on fraternity drawers and all the things I just described. Um, did that for three years at Washington State. Met Ferris. She was doing it at the... University of Alabama. And then when I met her, she was at the University of Maryland. And so we met in that summer Bible school training and um, anyway, eventually got married. So you guys wrote snail mail to each other? (laughs) Yes, we actually wrote snail mail, (laughs) made long distance phone calls that were super expensive and early in the morning. (laughs) And uh, so when we got married, then she moved out to Washington State and didn't realize, well, she'd been there, but it, it didn't realize it was like the face of the moon and she'd come from Washington, DC. So you can imagine the culture shock. Yeah. Then the university of Oregon opened up, needed a leader. So they called me and asked if we would take the job. And we said, yes, moved here in 83 and served with crew from 83 to 91 at the U of O. Wow. So, um, after crew, you went and worked at a traditional church setting. Yes. So, when we came to town, crew has sort of got a love or a hate relationship with churches. Um, churches that value parachurch organizations want to support them, want their people in their church, appreciate what they bring to the table. Lots of churches don't value it, and I understand both sides of that equation. So when we moved to town, our first job was to find a church. We were very committed to the local church, and our church experience in Pullman was not what you'd call great. Um, <laughs> so... We tried a couple of churches, and then we got a phone call from um, Bob Luther, who was the pastor at First Baptist at the time, and he was very, very supportive of the Campus Crusade ministry. Took me out to lunch, uh, pushed me pretty hard. Hey, I want you on our team. Love to have you. Um, And so I came home and told Ferris, I said, hey, I think I found the church we're going to go to. And it's interesting, at the time, we wouldn't have given it much thought because it was an old building downtown it didn't look like it had much life in it. And so we were looking for, you know, younger churches, I guess. Sure. But when we went there, we enjoyed it a lot and fit right in. And so we started there in 83. You know, I don't know how much detail you want, but literally within four or five weeks, he offered me the job as a college pastor. And I just didn't feel like it was time to leave crew ministry. So I said no and helped actually was on the committee that helped hire the college pastor there. Um, 
Then he said, can you start teaching an adult Bible school, uh, Sunday school class? And he said, we don't have a lot of young families in the church and wondering if you can help build that area. So that's sort of where I got my teaching experience is uh, I spoke at crew every week, but um, for that went on for 25 years. I taught an adult Sunday school class. Wow. So which became a little bit of a church within a church, but that was the way this, it was set up at First Baptist. So it was a Sunday school class that brought in people from, you know, 25 up to 85. And I did sort of what I do now. I just teach through books of the Bible. And um, and it had a real community feel to it. We enjoyed being together and um, a lot of good friendships were built out of that class. So from 83 to 91, if I think about it, I think I was offered four jobs at First Baptist. <laughs> Um, but I just felt committed to reaching college students and committed to the crew ministry. So in 91, then, uh, the new pastor, Kim Hodge offered me a job that was a pretty good fit for me. And so we uh, left crew and, and joined the staff at first Baptist in 91. Wow. So what would you say is the, if you could reduce it down to maybe a single thing that was the most helpful thing that you learned from crew leading into your, your church ministry and maybe the the most difficult or challenging thing you'd learned from crew that maybe you had to kind of get rid of probably the most helpful thing was and i and they go hand in hand so the most helpful thing was i was not afraid to share the gospel and felt like that's the primary job of a pastor um and this is not a reflection on first baptist i think it's just a reflection on the church culture there was not a lot of evangelism going on in the offices of our pastors, which sort of surprised me. Um, to me, it was like, man, this doesn't get any easier. People knock on your door, come in and want to talk to you about spiritual things. And so, of course, you would share the gospel with them. I think most pastors tend to view everybody in their church as already saved. And I had a differing view. I, I always felt like, I don't know how many people actually do know the Lord in, in any local church. And so my job would be to make sure that they have a clear understanding of the gospel and I can answer questions. And so um, I think I brought a, a a different culture to the church. I helped encourage the other pastors to be thinking about their office as one of their major areas of evangelism. Um, I, you know, over the years got to lead a lot of men and women to Christ in my office. Um, so that's crew because of the sort of, hardcore nature of evangelism in the crew ministry, it makes other evangelism feel pretty comfortable and easy. Yeah. Um, so there's that. The flip side of that is I was an arrogant jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I felt like, gosh, why don't you guys share your faith? And I'm sure that came through and, the, and my coworkers were patient with me, but um, there's an arrogance about people that are evangelistic. I think that's a downside of Anybody that ex that excels in an area of their faith often looks down on people that don't excel in that same area. It's true of Bible teachers. It's true of theologians. It's true of evangelists. And so there had to be a maturing in my life to come to the point where I recognized that I probably was gifted in a way that not everybody else was gifted in and and uh, had to allow for differences, you know, and and as you get older, you see your own weaknesses, too. There's a lot of areas I'm just not very good in, so. And let's not talk about those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll okay. cut that out for sure. Um, so just kind of in closing thoughts, what do you think was uh, some of the forming values in this stage of your life, going through crew and then at the first church you were a staff member at that kind of laid the groundwork for where UFC is? 
um, it's, it's, it's interesting because having been a Christian the majority of my life, I think I came to a saving faith at about five or six, lived in a very sheltered home, um, walked with Jesus throughout mid-school, high school, college. My experience with crew helped me think like a non-believer. And, um, and I think my jobs too, I, you know, prior to being a pastor, I actually had other jobs and, uh, <laughs> which I highly recommend. We can talk about that sometime too, but you know, I worked on farms. I worked in a mill. Um, I worked in a train yard. I waited tables. Um, I, I did a number of things to put myself through college. So I was around non-believers and, um, and was always thinking, how can I, how can I transition to the gospel? How can I open a door? Those kinds of things. So I think that that's always been my heart. And I think I brought that to First Baptist. And I know that's been a core value here at UFC. So um, while I think the church is for believers and we're to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, we still live in a culture where non-believers show up to our church. Some know they're non-believers and they're searching. Most think they're believers and have yet to have clarity on the gospel. So I want to provide an environment in a church that welcomes that, that thinks that way, that um, doesn't just assume everybody's a believer, um, and that there's a freedom to to ask questions and say, "I don't, I don't know that I understand this, and I don't, am I saved? I don't. That's great. That to me, that's the way it ought to be. So if a person comes insecure about their own faith and what they believe and don't believe. That's a huge win for me to be able to say, well, let's talk about that and let's answer questions honestly. And and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So if there's questions I don't understand or don't have the answer for, I'll just say, well, let me get back to you on that. And I'll do a little research and, you know, do what I can to come back to them with a, with an answer or find somebody that can. So I don't know. Was that in the ballpark of yeah. your question? Yeah, it sounds like you've you've really valued a gospel-centered environment that makes people feel welcome you know, they're not walking into a club or high society or something of that nature. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say too is um, I've had a core commitment to teaching the Bible. And um, I I would rather always be teaching the Bible and people say, ah, you know, that's not for me. I'm looking for something different than to to not do that and to, you know, teach around the edges or and I'm I'm maybe a little too hardcore on that, but I I think it's nice that people when they come I think when they come to church they're looking for spiritual answers, and if we don't give them biblical spiritual answers, we're not doing our job. So you know we can address how to have a better marriage and how to enjoy your life more, and some of those things are biblical principles that come through, but they need to come through in the context of I'm teaching through the scriptures, I'm teaching the Bible. We're not going to shy away from truth, um, and then and I think. I think non-believers appreciate that because they can find better entertainment elsewhere. They can find, you know, more enjoyable things to attend, but that's not what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for truth. And I think that's what we have to be prepared to give them. Absolutely. I remember when we first met and had lunch, my wife and I, and yourself, um, you had shared, I think within the last month you had preached on tithing, divorce, a variety of difficult topics kind of cram packed into one go. And I thought, well, yeah, this guy is committed to. Yeah. And then, and the church shrunk by about 35%. (laughs) Tides disappeared. COVID showed up. It was a real win for everybody. (laughs) 
Brett, thank you for coming in and sharing a little bit about the history. I'm excited to get the rest of the pieces and hopefully you guys at home will uh, appreciate uh, what God has done through UFC from the beginning and where we are now. And, and that'll give you a little more context for the ministry that we all participate in. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.